Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. Holy moly, where to start today? In spite of the COVID-19 pandemic, or perhaps because of it in some ways, there's a whole lot going on in our digital world, including a number of things that some folks would probably prefer that most of us didn't notice. Just as politicians often release information at 5 o'clock on Friday afternoon, hoping that no one will notice, so others are undoubtedly happy to slip their information under the current COVID radar as much as they can. Let's begin by noting a few developments of topics that we've looked at recently. Some listeners may recall that on a recent episode of The Electronic Cottage, we looked at how some manufacturers try to inhabit their machinery for life by making consumers buy replacement parts only from the original manufacturers and often at very inflated prices. The result, in a sort of entertaining way, is that consumers are learning how to hack the quote-unquote smart refrigerators and washing machines and coffee makers that they paid a pretty penny for when it's time for them to replace a part or make a repair. While these tendencies on the part of some manufacturers is annoying and maybe a bit sleazy, we looked at GE smart refrigerators as one example, but there are plenty of others. Trying to force consumers to buy their inflated cost replacement parts usually does not have life and death implications. That, however, is not the case with ventilators that are being refurbished for use in hospitals by private citizens or by skilled but unauthorized repair technicians. The demand for ventilators to use in hospitals to meet the need in this time of the pandemic is extensive. In the case of the Puritan Bennett 840 model made by Medtronics, the motherboard site has pointed out that in order to take old machines and combine their working parts to make a refurbished functioning ventilator, the repairer needs to sync software to make the machine work. But of course, the manufacturer will only sell replacement parts and software to a very small number of quote-unquote authorized repair companies, which, as you might suspect, keep prices high and repair times often very long. Unauthorized repair people are therefore getting the parts to fix these older machines via a sort of gray market. In this case, both the software and the protective dongle that enables the machine to work are being made available by a hacker in, are you ready, Poland. Yep, the equipment and software needed to make these old ventilators work again and get into hospitals that desperately need them are being provided by hackers in Poland. This is not at all the same thing as replacing an ice maker in a GE refrigerator. This is life and death. Medtronics and other medical machine manufacturers have figured out that they needed a better way to maintain control and an income stream for more recent expensive medical equipment. So now, many of those companies require that hospitals connect their machines to a manufacturer's online network in order to ensure that the manufacturer can identify who's trying to fix or service one of their machines. In the face of increased demand from stretched-thin hospitals, quote-unquote authorized repair companies cannot keep up, and a delay of three weeks or more for a technician to appear at a beleaguered hospital, as is often the case, is just not acceptable. 
As a result, in-house technicians at hospitals have formed a sort of gray league to help each other try to keep expensive equipment, which the hospitals actually own, operating during this pandemic. This is life or death. Strangely enough, when right-to-repair bills come up in Congress, manufacturers from John Deere to Medtronics to Apple fight tooth and nail to defeat those bills, and they've been successful on a national level so far. Just thought we'd mention it. Meanwhile, we've also mentioned facial recognition technology recently. That technology is finding new applications in surveilling people who've hit the streets in order to protest in the face of recent highly publicized deaths of black people at the hands of police. That kind of facial recognition technology is getting faster and more available by the day, but we have no national laws in place to regulate it, and only a very few state and local laws. In a recent article on nextgov.com, Sam DuPont, deputy director of GMF Digital, the German Marshall Fund's tech policy program, offered three principles that, at a minimum, he felt, and we agree, any law designed to regulate facial recognition technology should include. In his words, quote, Any law on facial recognition should address all three of the broad risks presented by the technology. First, to address privacy risks, Congress should pass a national privacy law that disciplines the collection and use of biometric data, including facial scans. The European Union's data protection laws have been used to punish misuse of facial recognition systems and can be a model in this regard. Second, to address bias risks, Congress should establish testing requirements, standard setting, and certification mechanisms to prevent deployment of biased facial recognition systems. Where automated facial identification could affect individuals' lives, human review should be mandated. And photo databases used by police for facial recognition must themselves be unbiased. For example, by excluding the mugshots of people not convicted of any crime. Third, laws should limit the use of facial recognition to conduct mass surveillance and real-time identification. Such scanning should require a warrant and should be prohibited in First Amendment scenarios such as protests and religious observances. Unchecked, these tools will undermine privacy, entrench bias, and create a surveillance apparatus ripe for abuse." End quote. And, we might add, will reduce the freedom and personal agency of any of us who are or think we might be surveilled using this technology. This is a topic and a technology that's changing almost by the week and getting way ahead of the laws that we have to indicate when, by whom, and under what circumstances it can be used here in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Unless our law catches up with this technology fast, we may well wake up one day before very long and wonder if that is still the land that we live in. We'll do our best to ponder that question right here on future editions of Notes from the Electronic Cottage. Music